Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hi, Mind Valley fans, and welcome to a truly unique podcast episode. First off, thank you guys for being fans. I just learned today that we became the number 16th most listened to educational podcast in the world, which is awesome because we've been doing this for less than a year. We are aiming to be in the top five in another 12 months. And one of the things I'm really gunning for, because you know me, is number one. We expect to hit that in maybe two or three years. So we're really excited. Appreciate you guys as fans. Thank you for telling your friends about the Mind Valley podcast. And I know you're going to love this episode. Now, this episode is with a remarkable man called Brendan Kane. I'm reading his book right now, but more importantly, I have multiple people on my team reading his book. Mind Valley depends on social media in a large way to help get the word out on transformational ideas. And Brendan Kane is one of those masters of social media. Social media is the new art form. If you look at the statistics, in 2016, when the US election was happening, 40% of Americans got their news from Facebook. That's 40% from a singular news source. That's crazy. Now, Brendan teaches people how to use the power of this new media to build a massive following. Get this. He has worked with Taylor Swift, Rihanna, Katie Couric, Michael Strahan, Zoe Saldana, Jason Statham, and multiple other people, including supermodel Adriana Lima. He advises brands like MTV, Sketches, Vice, and Ikea. And he is a genius. He himself has a million fans on his Facebook page. Go check it out, Brendan Kane. But what makes Brendan truly unique is that, you see, there are many people who are good at this, but they are not consciously competent. They can't teach the process. Brendan teaches the process. He wrote a brilliant book, as I mentioned earlier, called One Million Followers. The subtitle is How I Built a Massive Social Following in 30 Days. And if you guys want to try something interesting, if you're a coach or anyone who understands that you need to brand yourself in today's world, you definitely want to check out that book. Now, I know this podcast isn't for everyone because not all of you are looking to build up a social media audience. If that's the case, no worries. Skip this one. Go to one of our regular transformational podcasts. But what Brendan has to share is just so valuable, so powerful. I couldn't resist bringing him on. So welcome, Brendan. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Brendan, what made you decide to try this experiment to just hack fan growth on Facebook? Yeah, it's a great question. So I spent the better part of my career, as you mentioned in the intro, working with some of the largest corporations, brands, celebrities, and athletes in the world. And it was truly a remarkable opportunity and learning experience. And just it seeded an idea in my head. It's great for an MTV or Taylor Swift to get huge numbers. But what about the rest of us? What about people around the world that really have the ability to impact the world in a positive way? And it's just they need to get their voice to be heard. And you see this a lot as social platforms and social media can have that power to really transform the world in a positive way, but it's fleeting. There's virality and topics and pieces of content that will go viral, but there's not like a systematic process that somebody can follow if they really want to get their content out there. They really want to get their voice heard. So it just seeded this idea as like, okay, great. I worked with all these big people and had success and seen huge numbers. But what about people starting from scratch, people starting from zero, or even people that are struggling to get to that next level? Could I use all the learnings that I had generated over the years for those people? And 
when I was thinking about, well, who would be the perfect person to run this experiment on, I thought, well, why not myself? Because I've never been on film or television. I'm not a professional athlete. And I guarantee you I'll never be a musician or a rock star because I won't even sing karaoke. I can't carry a tune at all. So I thought, okay, then I'm going to do it. Because for me, it's easy to just do it on myself because I'm not waiting for content from anybody. And I can just run this experiment on myself and see what was really possible. And doing this, it wasn't about how do I make myself famous? How do I make myself into an influencer? I just really wanted to see what was possible for an individual sitting behind a computer, isolated in one specific city and see what the actual growth potential could be. And that's really where the journey set out. What is your Facebook page so we can follow you? Yeah, my Facebook page is Brendan James Kane. Brendan James Kane. Okay, let me just bring that up. And if you are listening to this on your computer, you might want to bring it up as well, because this is a really remarkable case study. I see that on Brendan James Kane. And again, what's intriguing here is that you're not a mega celebrity, but you have 1.5 million fans. That is insane. That's more than many best-selling authors I know. I'd love to understand a little bit, how are you doing this? At a very high level, I look at it as an adaptive process that includes three key steps. The first step is setting a hypothesis. Like, what is the content theme, format, or story that we think best represents our brand in the terms of the content that you want to create? And then from there, once we have that hypothesis set of what we think best represents what we're trying to put out in the world and is going to generate the intended response from the audience we're pushing our content to, in this case, it's following a brand that people have never been exposed to, then we move quickly into the testing phase. And I'll get into more in-depth of what that looks like. But in the testing phase, we quickly push it out and measure the response of, did our hypothesis hold true? Did it generate the intended response from the audience that we were trying to reach? Again, in this case, following a brand that they had never been exposed to before. And then in the third step of the process, we measure the results. Did it generate the intended response? If it didn't, then we pivot. We start that process all over again. And we set a new hypothesis, we test and pivot. And this sounds familiar because it's used in science a lot. And it's not something that I invented. I just adapted from scientific means to the process of actually testing content at scale. So for my experiment, the way that I did it is every night at midnight, I would schedule between 50 to 300 variations of content. And then when I would wake up in the morning, I would measure the results and I would see what content variations yielded the most effective result in generating followers for my page and getting people to essentially opt in to follow me. And I would take those learnings to fuel the next set of tests at midnight. And I did that over and over again for 30 days. And over the course of 30 days, I ended up testing 5,000 variations of content. Now, that sounds like a huge number and sounds like a daunting task. But the way that I built it is I built a system on top of the Facebook and Instagram advertising platform to use it really as not a media buying tool or an advertising tool, as a market research tool. Because what few people realize is really the power of the platform in terms of its ability to not only target specific audiences and measure the response in real time, but to be able to scale variations of content at such a large number. So that's amazing. But how are you doing this? At midnight, you've scheduled 50 different variations of the same post, right? Yeah. So sometimes it's the same post. Sometimes it's multiple posts. So this may sound like a layman's question. It probably is because I'm not an expert on this in any way. But how are you scheduling this? Are they going on different Brendan Kane fan pages? 
It's a great question. So the beauty of the advertising platform that Facebook built, and that advertising platform is the same platform that's built into Instagram, WhatsApp, and Facebook Messenger. So it expands across all four of those networks. And the beauty of the way they set up the platform is they created what's called dark posts. So that you can create basically a post on your account that doesn't get pushed to your main timeline. So that's where you can push 50, 100, 300 variations out through your account, but not exposing it on your timeline and spamming all the people that are currently following you. So you're pushing these dark posts and dark doesn't mean bad. It just means that only a select audience is seeing it, but you're paying for these. Yeah. So again, I use it as a market research tool. And the way that I approach it different than most people is I'm using the platform to identify audiences that will share my content at the highest velocity. So what I'm doing is I'm seeding content. Yes, I'm paying advertising dollars to seed content to people to figure out how I can essentially manufacture virality. Because you can say, I want to pay to reach 100 people, but how do I get those 100 people to share it with 10,000 people? And how do you generate that exponential growth? Because when you're just starting from scratch, it's very difficult to generate exponential growth because you're just starting one follower at a time. And yes, there's people out there that can produce a piece of content every time and make it go viral and generate tens of millions of views and get tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people to share it. But from my experience, those people are few and far between. Like I probably know 10, 15 people on the planet that can do that consistently, and I'm not one of them. So that process that I've developed not only allows you to see content to people and measure that exponential growth or potential virality, but it's a really a learning experience. Like the book, yes, is called How I Generated Massive Social Audience in 30 Days, about 1 million followers. But the real fundamentals of the book is the testing process that I've developed. Because that's the most valuable thing is how do you really test and learn how to package your content, what themes and stories are working, and how you can take all of those learnings to get people to share your brand at an exponential rate. Because as you know, that's really how you grow a brand or an audience. So my first question is, what does it cost over 30 days on a daily basis to test that many variations? Yeah, so it really all depends on a few different variables. And where I really start out with that question is, first off, defining what is the return on investment that you're trying to get? Because you need to define that before you get into the test. Like, If you're looking to get a million followers, why are you trying to get a million followers? Is that going to help you get a book deal? Is that going to help you get an agent? Or are you trying to build an e-commerce business or something else? Because you really have to define why you're trying to generate followers and where that return on investment comes, because that's where it will dictate how much you're willing to spend. But in terms of how much it costs to test, like you can literally spend less than $20 and learn something. It's not like you have to spend all this crazy amount of money. Now, when you're testing like 5,000 variations, yes, you can get in the thousands or tens of thousands of dollars to really scale and learn. But again, you don't have to do that to generate value out of the platform. You can spend $20, $50, $100 and learn a tremendous amount about audiences, around content to really fuel the growth going forward. And these same principles apply to both Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. So the content testing methodologies and the process extends both to Facebook and Instagram. But as you know, the growth factors in terms of followers is very different on both platforms. So Facebook is more of a democratic platform where you push content out and you get people to share at a high velocity and exponential growth comes that way. It grows outward versus Instagram, 
you have to get your content syndicated out onto other networks and drive back in. So with the testing methodologies with Facebook, you can just push content out and you can generate that followers at exponential growth. Instagram, what we do is we use those learnings of the response that we're getting back from people on what content's working. And then once we really have content that's packaged properly and working, then we'll syndicate that content out onto other networks and to drive back in to drive followers. How do you do that? How do you syndicate that across other networks? So you create partnerships. There's a few different ways. So one way is your content is just so good and you're in a specific niche that other accounts want to carry it. Because as you know, as a media publisher, you need to have compelling content that your audience wants to consume. So you can make a list of every single Instagram account in your niche and say, hey, listen, I'd love to do a partnership with you. I'm creating content each week. I'd love to submit this content for you to review and potentially publish. That's if you have really strong content that's relevant and valuable to their specific audience and niche. The other approach is you can advertise on those accounts. You can say, hey, I want to advertise on your account and advertise my content to reach your audience. And then you measure the response and you just test different accounts to see what works. The other approach, which is very common, is creating an internal group that's share for share. So basically, you create a group of like five or 10 people that are in the niche with you and you say, hey, I will share one post a week of yours if you share one post a week of mine. And then you can foster and build that audience that way. So those are kind of the different growth mechanisms specifically for Instagram. But again, the most important thing is you have to have your content dialed in. And I'll give you an example, like good friends of mine and a partner that I leverage for myself and clients is called The Good Quote. They have about 15 million followers on Instagram. But it's interesting because even though they have such a large audience, you could post one piece of content that will only generate 300 followers versus another piece of content will generate five or 10,000 followers. And why is that? Because it's the quality of the content. So that's where the testing process really comes in is some people think that with social platforms and social media, it's just about publishing a video or publishing a photo and just calling it a day. Now, do you have a presence on Instagram? Yeah, Brendan Kane at Brendan Kane. So I've been focusing on Instagram for five or six months, really studying the platform. The growth mechanism is not as quick as like Facebook, where I built a million followers in 30 days. I'm at like over 100,000 followers in four or five months. But now that I've narrowed in on what the growth mechanisms are, and I'm getting really granular with testing the content, now I really understand what that growth mechanism looks like. Well, that's really amazing. 100,000 followers in four months, you said. Yeah, it's like four or five months. That's remarkable, given you just jumped on this platform. Brendan, to recap, you mentioned three strategies for Instagram. One is you collaborate with someone, you post for them, they post for you. The other one is you create a group where everyone is circulating fans for each other. And the third one is where you pay someone to post leading to you. Yeah, almost think about the last one as like a billboard, is you're almost paying for a billboard on somebody's account and advertising. Now, you have to be cautious with that process because first off, there's a lot of people out there that will overpromise and underdeliver. There's people that have fake followers. And also, again, the most important thing is you've got to make sure that you have your content dialed in. Because again, with like when we're pushing content out there, if your content's not dialed in, it's not necessarily going to generate a significant amount of followers because you can't force somebody to follow you unless you're buying fake followers, which we don't obviously play in that world because there's no value in it. So with advertising, you've just got to think about it like anything. Like I come from the movie industry. So the movie industry we use TV spots and movie trailers to get people interested. And we advertise that content out there. But you can't force somebody to buy a ticket. 
is how compelling is your trailer? How compelling is your TV spot? And that's how you have to think about your social content on Instagram or Facebook or anything is how compelling is your content that's going to make somebody follow it or share it with other people? Because that's real where the exponential growth comes from. I love how you've made it so scientific. Now, I want to ask you this question. I've heard from several people that they have stopped using Facebook in the last couple of months. It's kind of weird. I've noticed the same thing. I used to be on Facebook multiple times a day. Now I'm on Facebook maybe five times a week. That's it. Like five times a week as opposed to multiple times a day. And I've gone two weeks without ever checking Facebook. And I've increasingly noticed that more and more people are moving to Instagram. I have a habit of just checking Instagram whenever I have free time on my app. Are you noticing this trend? So am I personally noticing it with the work that I do? No, I'm not noticing it. And I'm not saying that there isn't a trend. People are obviously migrating to Instagram because Instagram is the new hot social network. But looking at the economies of scale, you know, there's 2.2 billion people on Facebook. 1.7 billion of them are monthly active users. So when I look at what I do in terms of content testing, optimization, pushing out a message, the scale is so large. And that economy of scale is going to even grow larger based upon the plans that Facebook has. What I look at it is using platforms for different purposes. So where I really like Facebook is that it's a democratic platform. It's a platform you can push your content out to. And if you have quality content, people share at an exponential rate and you can go viral. In addition to the fact, it's one of the best platforms to drive traffic out. So if you have a website, you have a blog, you have an e-commerce store, it's probably the best social platform that you can drive traffic out at scale. At one point with my clients, I was pushing about 8 million people out of Facebook a month across all of the testing campaigns I was running. So is there a change in behavior with Facebook? Yes. Do I think it's dying? No. Because I think you have to look at each social platform for what it is and where the value is. So again, Facebook super viral, highly engaging content from a shareability standpoint, drive a tremendous traffic out. Instagram, very highly engaging because when you look at like Facebook, when you reach a million followers, you're only reaching three to 5% of your audience because of the way the algorithms are built. The only way to overcome that is shareability. Instagram's like 32 to 35%, but that number is going to start decreasing dramatically as more people get onto the platform and more content's pushed to that feed. But for the time being, Instagram is probably the most popular platform from a brand perception level because of the level of engagement, both on post and IG stories and IGTV is the new trending way. So it's extremely valuable from that. And obviously, as you mentioned, it's the hottest platform. So people are migrating to that and spending more time and engaging with that. So that's where I see the difference between the two of them. Now, where YouTube comes into play, as you know, and why you're doing video for the podcast, YouTube is the best platform for long form consumption behavior. Facebook and Instagram, you're lucky if you get somebody to watch a video for 20 to 40 seconds, unless your content's super compelling. Where YouTube, you can get somebody to watch 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes of content. So to me, it's about how can you leverage each platform as your overall strategy and not just saying, oh, Facebook's dying, so I'm not going to pay any attention to it. Because that would be the wrong move in my mind, because Facebook has the smartest people on the planet. And they are all about behavioral science and behavioral habits. And I think Facebook is evolving and it's changing, but I don't think it's dying per se. Right. And of course, Facebook owns Instagram. For people who are not familiar with that, Instagram, WhatsApp are all owned by Facebook. It's part of the same technology ecosystem, all owned by Mark Zuckerberg. Now, in your book, you lay out a couple of rules on how to build up the following. 
And again, for those of you who want to check out the book, the book is called One Million Followers, How I Built a Massive Social Following in 30 Days by Brendan Kane. So the first thing is hypothesize and test what you say is do research about what gets people to share and come up with a hypothesis of the content you want to create, identify a format and team that will engage the audience around a specific message, then create a low cost proof and test it. Yes. The first element of it is you have to be a student of the way content is packaged on social platforms. So the first exercise to give people is make a list of people that are speaking to your audience currently. And you can look at that as a competitor list, or you can just look at that as people that are reaching the audience that you want to get to follow you. And I'm not talking about the outliers. So like if you're a musician, don't go look at Taylor Swift or Rihanna because they're just outliers. Look at people that are between 100,000 to a million followers that are not on television or film, but have really been able to cultivate a social audience on their own and really study their content from what are the formats that they use. So if they are doing video, are they using meme cards at the top? Are they using captions? Like what does their end title card look like? What does the first three seconds look like? How do they leverage visual images? And really look at the content, not from, oh, I'm just studying to see what looks appealing to me, but really try and dissect it. Like I'll give you an example. I just hired an editor that's working with me from a competitor to BuzzFeed. And at their company, every week, they sit around a table and they go through all their competitors' videos that went viral. And they actually sit around the table and they hypothesize why did this video go viral? And they really deconstruct it from like every clip to the colors they use on captions and all those different things. So first become a student of how do you package content? How are people that are being successful in this space packaging that content? And you'll learn so much. And then once you figure that out, it's like, okay, now how can I plug my message into this? It's not about copying their message or copying their content. It's copying their structure, their format, and plugging your message into it. It's incredible, the science that goes behind this. It's so dramatically mind-blowing when you tell me stories like that, how people are looking at little things such as the color of the fonts on your subtitles. Okay, so now we come to point two. Learn from your tests and pivot when necessary. Take time to understand why certain content works and why other content doesn't. Be extremely specific with your tests. Brendan tested thousands of variations of content and segmented out the variables to truly learn what was optimizing performance. He also didn't waste time. As soon as he saw that something wasn't getting the engagement he desired, he pivoted. Yeah. So first off, you create the packaging and the formats. Do a low-cost proof of concept. And when I mean low-cost, I mean low-cost. Like Don't go out and spend thousands of dollars in production value and all that until you've really learned what's working. And then the testing process, again, leveraging the Facebook and Instagram advertising platform the way that I do, you can get data in real time. You can get really quick. And as soon as I see something that's not working, and what I mean not working is people are not sharing it. People are not following the account. Whatever that core metric is you're looking at, I just turn it off right away. And I look at the ones that are working. And I leave the ones that are working on to see if it continues to make that progression and continues to generate those results. And you just keep doing that process over and over again until you really find those winning variations that work. So I noticed something interesting about your Facebook. When I look at your Facebook, I see that over several days, there's a particular theme to your post. Like I noticed there's one with these really big fat fonts, almost like impact font. And it has a beautiful picture of you that says, choose your reality. And then just after that, you have similar style picture. Time is our most valuable asset. Use it wisely. And then again, similar style, one life, one world, one you. And you know, that one got a hundred thousand likes. That's insane. That's incredible. 232 comments on a picture like that. 
Now, I'm guessing that that's something you tested and you found it worked, so you replicated it. Yeah, so every piece of post that you see on my main feed has been tested on the back end using Dart posts. So I never publish anything to my current follower base until I know it's proven to work. And yes, once we find a format that works, then we duplicate it over and over again. And we evolve too. Like there's a progression. Like I just recently completely switched my entire Instagram strategy based upon the results that I saw previously. It's this kind of this test and learn process. It's once you find something that works, you use it as long as it generates results for you and pays dividends. But again, you have to be a student in the game. It's not going to work forever. And you have to constantly be testing and trying new things and learning. Otherwise, if you get complacent, you're going to lose the long-term battle. It's fascinating following you because I see these streams of really similar posts and then all of a sudden you change the style. And I'm yeah. guessing that's the point where you're getting a learning. Now, I noticed that in your post, you use pictures of yourself. I know I feel self-conscious about that. I'm a writer, so I have incredible quotes, but I feel self-conscious continuously putting a picture of myself. Did you find that following a personality like yourself, pictures of the author matter? be honest, I was the same way as you. Is When I first started this experiment, I was using quotes of other people. And I still feel a little bit weird about it because I'm getting more into video. I haven't started pushing a lot of video on Facebook, but that's coming because I've been distributing it on Instagram and LinkedIn. But still, it takes some time to get adjusted and used to. To me, the way that I change that perception is I just want to provide the most value to people. And when I just look at it from that lens of providing value, it kind of eases that anxiety about putting myself in the content. So I don't think about, oh, how is somebody going to respond to the way I look or what I'm saying versus how can I provide the most value to people? And if people glean value in it, like to me, that is a win. So do you have to do that? No, I don't think you have to. I think it helps foster a connection with people and with the person on the other side of the table. But you can mix it up too. Is like I'm using a new format on Instagram where I do one just quote on a white background with black text and then one piece of media content and then one quote so that I mix it up a little bit so it's not like every post is about me. But like if you're just super self-conscious about it, like you can build your following through text and articles and things of that nature. It's not like there's one size fits all strategy for everybody. And that's one of the biggest things that I have an issue with people in the social media space and social media experts is they generally say, you have to do it this way. This is the only way to succeed. And there isn't just one way to succeed. There's different strategies that you can take in order to cultivate a strong following. Have you found that there's a pattern in frequency? Like I've heard that on Facebook, you should post one post a day. On Instagram, you should post, you know, like three to four posts a week. But again, that was just what I heard from one particular expert. I am in no way an expert in this field. I'm curious to know what you think. So there's schools of thought and differs from very from person to person. Like obviously frequency is important from a consistency standpoint. Like you want to be consistent. And even if it's just I'm going to do one post a week and that's all I'm going to do is just be consistent with it. The more you post, the more chances you have to win. But what I say is quality over quantity. Like I know some accounts that post 15 times a day because they just grow exponentially that way. But that's what they do full time. To me, it's like, what is the best performing content that you can put out into the world that's going to drive the most value and start there and incrementally grow to more posts? It's like New Year's resolutions. Well, what does everybody do is they say, oh, I'm going to get into shape. I'm going to get a gym membership. They show up at the gym membership the first day, they work two and a half hours and they're sore the next day and they don't go. It's like, it's the same principles with this is you don't want to start 
saying, oh, I'm going to post twice a day because somebody told me I had to post twice a day and then they burn themselves out. So what's your frequency like for Instagram? How often do you post? So for Instagram, I'm testing a new strategy that we just started two weeks ago where we post twice a day. We post one quote and one media asset. And that media could be an image of me or a video because I'm looking to take my brand to the next level and really get into thought leadership. But I've already defined what that ROI looks for me. So that's why I'm investing the time for myself to create content and investing in a team to help me produce that content as well. That's incredible. I see that your last Instagram post is a video that says, want more social media engagement. So I'm guessing where you're going is thought leadership in terms of social media engagement. Yeah, I would say it's digital and social strategy. Like that's where I think my core expertise lies is people come to me and they say, okay, this is what I'm trying to achieve. These are the roadblocks I'm running into. And then I work with them to craft the strategy and how to reach those goals. I see. So Instagram, you're moving to two posts a day and on Facebook? I'm testing it. I'm doing about one, two, three posts a week. But what I'm going to be doing now is now that I'm ramping up video production for Instagram and also leveraging it for LinkedIn, I'm going to probably be pushing that to like three or four posts a week. Right now, it's about like one to three because I spent the last six weeks building an infrastructure for video and getting that up to speed because that's where I see the next evolution of where I want to take social content for myself. That's fantastic. Now, video, let's talk about video. So I just did a shoot with Jay Shetty's Icon Media and my business partner yeah. just did a shoot with Goldcast, yeah, Jay right? And, and they've really mastered that because as an author, that type of video really helps me brand. Now I'm curious, what are your thoughts on this? Are you noticing that video goes way more viral than a text post or a picture post? I mean, obviously, video is like a hundred times harder to produce, but is the payoff a hundred X too? Yeah. So you bring up a great point. Making a photo go viral is much easier than making a video go viral because of the production value. Now, obviously, if you're talking about like Jay Shetty and Alex at Icon, like they've mastered that science. But again, there's few people that have mastered that science of how to package viral video content at scale on a regular basis. But the exponential return, as you mentioned, I think is at least 50x because with a video, especially around a personal brand, it really ties somebody and connects somebody to you and what you're about more than an image can. In addition, you look at where the social networks are weighting content. So Facebook is weighting video much heavier than image-based content. And Instagram is weighting video more than photo content. Now, like, I haven't heard this directly from Instagram, but I know people that are very close to them saying that Instagram in the next five years wants to be 80% video. So they're weighting that content much heavier than just image-based content. But again, from a production standpoint, it's much easier to create a photo that's compelling to get people to engage and share and comment and like than a video just from the production side and the quality standpoint. Okay, so step three is find a hooking headline. Usually it's the headline that communicates the story's hook point in a succinct and exciting way. It's the short sentence or phrase that stands out, grabs attention, leaves your audience wanting more. A good headline communicates what makes your brand, message, or content different and valuable. Now, the headline, I'm guessing, is the opening sentence? It can be the opening sentence. It can be like the opening sentence on the caption. It could be a burned-in meme card. It could be text burned in for the first three seconds. The interesting part of the world that we live in is we live in a three-second world. You literally have less than three seconds to capture somebody's attention. So that's where a hook point comes in as a really critical factor to having success on social and digital platforms. And 
one of the exercises I do with all the clients that I work with in workshops and one-on-ones is if you were given the cover of a prominent magazine or newspaper in your niche, what would you put as your headline on the cover of that magazine or newspaper that if your core customer was walking down the busy street passing a magazine stand, that they would stop, look at that, be like, that's compelling, pick it up, buy it, and then read the article. Because it's literally that difficult in social. There's over 60 billion messages sent on digital platforms each day. And because we live in this three-second world, if you can't capture them in those first three seconds, you've lost them. Now, I'm not talking about clickbait because you have to have the compelling content to match the hook point or the headline that you're putting out there. But it needs to be compelling enough that literally would make somebody stop in a busy street, buy a magazine, pick it up and read it. Wow, that's such a powerful point. Now, you know, when I hear you speak about this, I'm just putting myself in the shoes of the average person who's building up their small business or a coach or an author who's just starting out. And honestly, it seems intimidating and it seems hard. And so I'm curious to know, what would you say to someone who believes I'm just not good enough to be on video? Or, you know, you might be a coach, but might not have confidence in your ability to write. You've not got a book published. What makes you think you're going to come up with a good headline? I mean, these seem like powerful skills that certain people have mastered and that it'll take you years to acquire. What are your thoughts? Well, first off, for myself, I have self-doubt every day. So even at the level I'm at, I'm always questioning, how are people going to respond to this video? How are people going to respond to this book? How are people going to respond to this headline? So I still deal with that every day. And I've been doing this for a long time. So for people out there that are feeling that anxiety, feeling that sense of overwhelm, just know that I feel it and I've been doing it for so long. The second area is start small. Don't overwhelm yourself and think about this grandmaster thing that I have to accomplish right away. Take small steps. So If you're feeling uncomfortable on camera, record something on your phone. Don't even share it with anybody. Just start taking that practice of recording yourself on your phone and getting comfortable of being in front of the camera. And then maybe share it with three or four people. And then you work your way up to posting it. In terms of writing, just start writing, putting that content out there and just measuring the response. Like, I'm not saying it's easy by any means, but like I get a lot of negative comments sometimes messaged to me on my posts and my content. But what I look at, what is the positive that I'm doing in the world? Like if I got five really negative comments, but a thousand people shared it, I look at, oh, a thousand people shared this and resonated it. It's the same thing with the book. It's like if you had a hundred people tell you your book's amazing and one person's like, yeah, this is a waste of money. It's just like, yes, that hurts when somebody says that, but look at the grander scale of the value that you're trying to put out. But also one of the critical factors that I talk to people about social is some people come up to me and they're like, well, I hate social media, but I feel like I have to do it. I was like, no, you don't have to do it. There's other ways to be successful. If you're really not into it, then don't do it because you have to be excited about the potential because it's going to take work. It's going to take time to figure it out. You have to be in it for the long run. Like I was really impressed by your opening about trying to get your podcast to number one. And you said my goal to do that in the next few years, you're going to put in that work for the next few years to hit that goal. You need to put in that hard work and you need to be excited about the potential or the ROI that's going to come out of that. Otherwise, just don't do it. Focus on another area that you are excited about to grow your business. If you aren't passionate about it, it's not worth doing. And there's a difference between passion and fear. If you're passionate about it, but you have fear, you can hack your way through that. It took me six freaking years before I had the confidence to write my first book. People told me I should have written a book because I was a great teacher, but I would always think no one's going to read it. 
And I wrote that first book. It took me six freaking years, right? And that book became a bestseller. And it took me 10 years to get comfortable in front of the camera. I used to be a stage actor. I've been in TV commercials. I sucked in front of a camera on Facebook. And then people would comment that I sucked. And that would make me suck even more because I would take it personally. It took me 10 years before I actually got into the groove and I was actually comfortable in front of the camera. But I knew I had to get there. For me, it was just 10 years of slog. This didn't come naturally to me. By the way, podcast, five years. Wanted to start a podcast five years ago. And I had all of these bullshit excuses in my head. So yeah, if you want to be a teacher, if you want to be an author, if you want to be a coach, I want to encourage you guys to push past that fear. Now, the great thing about social media, like Brendan said, is that you can test. And because you can test and you can get feedback, you can grow faster than you ever imagined. You can literally test. If you think your writing sucks, put it out there, test it, and then modify something. Then pick up a book on writing for the web, tweak something, put it out there, test, and then pick up a book on headlines, test something, put it out there, get the data, and you can do rapid iterations. And that's what allows people to become masters like Brendan, like Jay Shetty, like what I've done with Mind Valley, constant iteration and testing, assuming that you have a passion for it, because I can tell you it's a lot of work. I would agree 100%. Brendan, let's go on to point number four. Point number four in your list of five points on how to build a social media following on Facebook. And keep in mind, this is Facebook, but most of these apply to Instagram as well. Point number four confused me a little. It said, target the right audience. You can have great content, but without reaching the right audience, you won't develop a following or find the people who will champion the message for you. Could you explain that? Yeah, so let's just talk about it at a high level. Let's just say that you're releasing a horror movie and you're promoting it to comedy fans. Obviously, it's not going to correlate. So whenever you're producing content, and this is more about the distribution and the marketing of it, and this applies to both Facebook and Instagram, is really knowing who your audience is. And I always encourage people to test because oftentimes I see people say, this is my audience. And you ask them, well, how do you know this is my audience? And they're like, I just know, versus actually going out and testing it. Or you could have a specific audience in mind and you know this is your core customer base but your content is actually not resonating with them, it's resonating with somebody else. So it's really understanding who is your audience and making sure that you're putting the right content in front of those people. So just getting very specific about what the breakdown of that looks like. But Brendan, if this audience is the audience that's following you on Facebook and you're putting content on that particular Facebook page, are you talking about then putting some money behind it to push it to a particular segment of your fans? So there's different ways that you can do it. The first way is, yes, you can do that both on Facebook and Instagram in the testing phase where you can push content and pay to push content out to specific audiences. You can control the age. You can control the gender. You can control the interest level. What type of music do they consume? What type of products do they buy? What part of the world do they live in down to the specific zip code? So you can do that for both Facebook and Instagram and test all those variables to get data on what's working. But then also when you start talking about distributing, when you make that list of all the websites, blogs, social accounts that are reaching your audience that you want to distribute your content to is understanding what their audience is and making sure it matches up with the content that you're producing. So again, if you're producing a horror movie, you don't want to be promoting your trailer on comedy blogs. But does that mean that when you put something on your Facebook page, you then promote it? to a specific segment of your content? No. So what I do is I use dark posts on the back end to push it out to different audiences to measure that response. So this is different from what you do in the beginning when you test an idea. 
This is after the idea is out, you do dark posts to push it out to other audiences. Well, what I always do is I start with a dark post no matter what, is I don't just automatically publish a piece of content to my main feed. What I will do is I will create a dark post, test different audiences, and I will also test my audience. And then once I know it works, then I'll publish it to the main feed. So I never publish something unless I know it's working. But after you publish it, do you then push it out or put money behind it? Generally, no. After it's published, unless it's a piece of content that's really generating, let's just say for every dollar I spend, I get 100 people to share it. Like whatever that velocity is that I'm looking for, and I'm seeing that exponential growth continue to grow, then I'll be like, okay, I'm going to continue fueling money into this because it's paying off. I'm getting a return on investment in terms of brand growth or email registrations or product purchases or whatever that may be. That's powerful. And the next part is invest the time and money necessary to reach your goals. Reaching a million followers has gotten Brendan opportunities to speak at conferences, but getting to a million isn't necessary for everyone. Gaining a following requires an investment of time and money. Where you put your energy depends on how quickly you want to grow. Yeah, so first off, like I built a million followers in 30 days, but a year later, I'm still working on it every day. It's like building a million followers in 30 days is very different than building a million followers over three or four years. How is it different? It's different because it's a brand new connection. It's like fostering a relationship with people over years and growing at that slower burn rate is like you have time to build that relationship. But it's the same principles with emails. It's like if you get somebody to opt into your email list, it takes time to warm them up and to build a relationship. Same thing with your podcast is people, it takes a few times for them to listen to your podcast to really get used to you, your message and your content. It's the same with social followers is just because somebody has followed you doesn't mean they have a strong connection with you. You've got to take into the consideration on Facebook, they're probably following 500 to 1,000 other pages. On Instagram, it's probably like 300 to 500 other pages. So you're one of many accounts that they're following, and you have to earn that right to build a strong relationship with them. Just because somebody's following you doesn't mean A, that they're going to engage with your content, and B, that they're going to be following you tomorrow. So it is a constant effort to invest either your time or money into cultivating that relationship. That's fantastic. Now, a couple of final questions. So you went from zero to a million followers in 30 days flat. How heavy were you working on this? Are we talking about 10 hour days? So it took me three and a half years to develop the system to do it. It's not like I just woke up one day and I'm like, I'm just going to do a million followers. I developed these testing methodologies and these processes in order to build up to that. So I would say maybe like I was spending two hours a day on it over the course of those 30 days because the system that we've devised allows us to test content at scale and build out that process. And I break down the process in the book and then there's this online program that they can get at the book website, 1millionfollowers.com, where we take them more into like granular step-by-step guides. I see, I see. So Brendan, a couple of quick final questions. Number one, where does LinkedIn fit in? all of this? And when is it important to get on LinkedIn? I think it's really important to get on LinkedIn now. I think that there's a huge opportunity from a business standpoint with LinkedIn to grow. It's becoming more of a media platform. In the beginning, it was more of a recruiting tool. Then it became a connection tool. And now it's really becoming a tool where you can express your brand, your content. And I think there's probably like a 12-month window right now to really take advantage of it because there's not a lot of people producing content for the platform. So it gives you an opportunity to stand out. And that's why I'm investing heavily in producing video and taking all the video from my social content and then publishing it on LinkedIn because there's less competition right now. And the way that I look at it is 
Facebook and Instagram is more of kind of like the shotgun approach where it's like you're just going a wide net at high level top funnel awareness versus LinkedIn is more that sniper approach of how do we get very targeted and very granular. It's like you could generate a thousand views on a video on LinkedIn that could be more powerful than a hundred thousand views on Facebook because of the level of the specific nature of the people that you're connected with and who they're connected with in addition to the environment that you're in. Like people on Instagram and Facebook, they're in kind of this social mode versus when they're on LinkedIn and consuming content, they're in business mode. I see. And then you were part of a Taylor Swift campaign to do her first $1 million a month on e-commerce. Is that correct? Yeah. So I had built technology platforms for her and her team for about two and a half years. And there was one holiday campaign. I think that was her first million dollar month on her e-commerce store. That's amazing. What did you learn from that? Well, the one thing that I learned from Taylor Swift is that few people realize that she built her fan base herself one by one. In the beginning, she didn't have a huge record label. She didn't have millions of dollars of marketing budget. Is that literally she built her fan base one by one. And what made her so powerful and effective is she understood the value of fostering one-to-one communication with fans. She understood that each time that she responded to a comment, each time she took a photo with a fan, each time she signed an autograph, not only did it turn that fan into a fan for life, but it turned that fan into a brand advocate. Somebody that was now willing to share her message, her content with the world. So that's why she takes so much time to foster that communication. And because at the time, social profiles were becoming an integral part of everyday teenager life, when this new brand advocate was formed, no longer they were just sharing Taylor's messaging content with three to five of their closest friends. They were now posting it through social profiles, reaching hundreds, thousands, in some cases, tens of thousands of people. And that's where that exponential growth really came from is... She's building up an army of brand advocates that were sharing to all of their social connections and sharing their love for Taylor. And that's what made her so effective, no matter what she does, whether that's selling tickets, building followers, selling e-commerce product, is she's built this loyalty with fans that fans feel like they have this authentic connection with her because they know that she really cares about them. And that's why you see her showing up at weddings of fans or birthday parties or having fans come to her house for a record label listening party. It's not her trying to manufacture that or hack the system. It's that she really authentically cares. And that's really what comes off. And it's one of the most important lessons that I've learned from working with her. That's an amazing story. And you're absolutely right. It's so important to nurture that relationship. Now, a tip for the people listening, who are some of the top five social media influencers you think we should follow and learn from other than yourself? You mentioned Jay Shetty. Jay Shetty is amazing at producing content. He's obviously in the inspirational space. Prince EA is another one. He wrote the forward for the book. He's extremely powerful. I would say that Gary Vaynerchuk does a great job. He's a little bit different than Prince EA and Jay Shetty, where Prince EA and Jay Shetty, they're focused really intently on virality and spending more time on each piece of content, where Gary does an interesting model where he's more at scale and volume where he's putting six or seven video clips out a day because he has a team that's doing that. And that's how he's building his brand. And he's done an amazing job of that. So I think that those three are great. Like there's another person that was featured in the book. His name is Julius Dean. He's pretty inspirational. He's the number one online magician. Yes, I follow him. His stuff is brilliant. Yeah. And I would look at his content from how he's packaged it because it's super viral content and it's been able to be shared at an exponential rate. And then for the fifth one, I would just implore people to go out and make a list of people that they're currently following, that they're successful, because I don't want to tell them, oh, you should just follow these people. I think it's really important for you to make that discovery process because each person's in a different business. Each person's trying to achieve something different. 
and find people that are speaking to your audience that you aspire to be like and be a student of their content. But again, weed out the outliers. Like if you're a musician, don't follow Taylor Swift and her model because she's put seven, eight years of work into that. Try and find somebody that's kind of at that growth stage and hasn't been doing it for as long, but is still having success with social. That's some really great advice. Brendan, thank you so much for giving us your time. I love your mind. And I just want to acknowledge you, your brilliance. Go follow Brendan on Instagram, Brendan Kane. That's Brendan with an A, ending in A-N. And follow Brendan on Facebook. It's Brendan James Kane on Facebook. And check out Brendan's book, One Million Followers, How I Built a Massive Social Following in 30 Days. And again, Brendan, and everyone listening, the reason I wanted you on this podcast is because reading your book right now, and I asked my team to read the book. It's rare that I read a book on business or marketing that I'm like, wow, I'm so glad someone wrote this. Everyone has to read this. So if you are a coach, if you are an upcoming author, if you have an established business and you're the face of that business, you definitely want to think about this. And so the world is changing. Media is changing. This stuff is super important. Go check it out. Thank you, Brendan. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This May in Portugal, Mindalis A-Fest is taking on this theme. The theme of this upcoming A-Fest is social influence. We're bringing in some of the top minds in the world to talk about how to build up the world's top podcasts or how they built one of the world's top performing YouTube channels. We'll be bringing in some of the top press people in the world to talk about how they took companies and put them on the front of Inc. Magazine. And Brendan, maybe we'll see you speaking as well. So check it out, afest.com. It's happening in Portugal end of May. I'm Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, Take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body, your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.